0: Well, it's good to see you all this morning. And uh, before I get into the Word this morning, uh, on behalf of Jerry Kind and the missions team, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to pray as specifically as you can. At Cedar Home, we're all about praying for the persecuted church around the world and for the persecutors of the persecuted church. And um, we uh, have tables around the church that give you information about where in the world our brothers and sisters in Christ are being persecuted for their faith in ways that we can hardly imagine. And many of these countries are Muslim countries. The people that are being persecuted are Muslims that have converted to Christ and others, and the ones that are persecuting them are Muslims. And so we have prayer guides for you, and we hope that you take them because um, a lot of these people don't have an understanding of Jesus that are persecuting, And uh, um, I'm just going to read from this announcement here. Muslims every year have a month of fasting called Ramadan. And this year it starts April 2nd in most of the world. And the missions team will be ordering prayer guides for that time and have them available soon. And they're really, really good. And I've been going through the one that was passed out last year almost every day. And I'm loving it because it's very specific. Another prayer guide that informs and teaches about Islam and how to pray for those in Islam is this booklet here. 2022, Praying for Muslims. And so this gives a a one-page-a-week information and prayer to read in an effort to bring light and truth to those in Islam. So you can pick up this booklet at the booklet rack next to the missions map in the hall or contact Jerry Kind. And the last thing I would say before we get into the word is, if you were in one of these hostile or restricted countries and you had been raised in a Muslim culture and you came to faith in Christ, You would want people in the West and all over the world to be praying for you, wouldn't you? And so let's do that. Let's just grab this one and then the other one when it comes in and pray for these uh, brothers and sisters in Christ that are being persecuted. So as we get into the Word this morning, we thank you, Father, for what we're about to hear. And as Dylan had prayed, just uh, guide us with your Holy Spirit uh, to understand what you want to say to us individually. Everybody that comes in here is different, and yet, oddly enough, it's, we're all the same. And we all need to hear from you. These people, Lord, they don't need to hear from Mitch. They don't need to hear from uh, a human being. They need to hear from the Holy Spirit. And through your word, Lord, I pray you translate what we're going to talk about today in a powerful way to each one of our hearts, however you want to apply it. We love you, Lord. Thank you for bringing us here this morning and for giving us your word to... Uh, to talk to us and we ask this blessing on our hearts for your glory in jesus name we pray amen amen well we are uh going through the book of hebrews we are in chapter 11 which is called god's hall of faith or faith's hall of fame where many saints in the past are highlighted for their great faith in god or their faith in a great god And uh, there are many that we've talked about, but we're we're running into a whole bunch right now in Hebrews 11.32. And Hebrews 11.32 says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. I'm going to read a little bit more that's not on the screen, but it says, Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. And so you have this group bunched together, and I don't have the heart to bunch them together in one sermon. Uh, I know there are guys that do that. God bless them, even though they're wrong. And um, uh, I just like to take each guy and, and, you know, how do you, how do you, mush all these guys together because they're all so individually powerful uh, when it comes to faith. And we're at Gideon today and I know many of you have heard the story of Gideon over and over again but I I think we can all learn new things. You know how the word of God is. You read it and you read it and you read it. You read the same book and all of a sudden new things appear and I hope that's the case this morning and some old truths that we need to remember. But Gideon teaches us an important lesson that we're going to that's going to be a thread that winds our way through this message today, and that's this: Gideon teaches us how to face overwhelming odds with faith and win. He teaches us how to face overwhelming odds and win, and we are all facing overwhelming odds, or tough odds, or difficult odds of some degree. And Gideon teaches us how to overcome those overwhelming odds with faith and when okay and we're talking about whatever area god promises in his word specifically to us or through the holy spirit gideon is our instructor on how to deal with those difficult odds those impossible sometimes overwhelming odds and i think it goes without saying but i'll i'll say it just because i think it's important for us to hear this morning that just because uh, we're christians doesn't mean we aren't or won't face overwhelming odds you don't have to be in the christian life too long to find out that you're not in heaven yet right you're just not now some christians want to convince us that we ought to be in heaven while we're on earth you know and everything ought to be going right all of the time and that there's no trials and if you have trials or problems then you're a sub standard christian and that's baloney What does the book of James tell us? Rejoice when you shall enter into various trials. So we're going to have trials. We're going to have problems. We're going to have overwhelming odds, difficult odds, tough circumstances. You can't escape that. Now, as, as I was singing this morning in the worship, I was saying how great it's going to be when we get to heaven, right? Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, isn't it going to be great when we get to heaven and we don't have to face stuff all the time? Okay, middle section spiritual, the rest of you, I don't know what's going on. But. Um, but we have overwhelming odds. Now, I want to define it for you as we go through this. What do I mean by overwhelming odds or difficult odds? A set of over- overwhelming or difficult or tough odds or circumstances, a set of overwhelming odds is a set of overwhelming or difficult or tough circumstances with no quick or apparent answer. And that's important to to hear because the stuff that we face, sometimes things aren't quick. They're not just automatically the, the, the clouds clear and the sun shines and the curtain parts and we get this answer that we want. It just doesn't happen that way all the time. Now, what are these overwhelming odds, what are they like? They can include stresses of all kinds, family stresses, relationship stresses, financial issues. They can... They can be just, just difficult problems or relationships. They can be dealing with a cloudy future or a decision that you have to make that you're just not, you haven't got clear direction in. I mean, the list goes on and on, okay? I just would say whatever yours, your odds are, overwhelming or difficult odds are, today, those are yours, that's your set. You bring that in here today and apply what you're about to hear uh, today about Gideon, okay? But here's the important thing that I want to just pass on to you this morning. You are about to hear a strategy. In the next 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60 minutes, maybe 75, no. Uh, You're gonna hear a strategy about how to deal with your personal set of overwhelming odds, difficult circumstances, tough circumstances, Difficult odds. You're going to hear a strategy because through the life of Gideon, through his experiences, God gives a very specific strategy of how to deal with our overwhelming odds with faith and win. Have resolution, okay, of those. In his time and in his way, I'm not going to predict that, but he will take us through to a resolution point. Now, I've got to be honest with you, the story of Gideon is not a short story. It's two fairly large chapters in the book of Judges, so I've had to split it into two parts, part one today and part two next week. There will be eight points, eight strategy points, four today, four next week. So um, uh, we're going to talk about how to face overwhelming odds with faith and win. And today we're going to go from, in chapter 6, uh, uh, 1 through verse 24. So, First, the story of Gideon teaches us that if we're going to face overwhelming odds, the first, step of, the first stru- strategic step, the first step in the strategy is this. We have to deal with any sin, sinful action or attitude that we're doing that blocks the flow of faith. That blocks the flow of faith. It could be a sinful attitude or action that, that, that God has, has told us, It's time now for you to turn from that to me and make resolution of that area in your life. Now, God's kind, he's a kind God, and he's not gonna tell us every area in which we need to change. That would be overwhelming, wouldn't it? I mean, it takes a whole lifetime for him to tell us what we need to change in, and I think if he told us all at once, we'd be completely overwhelmed, but there are certain times that God says to you, okay, Mitch, it's time. It's time for you to deal with that with my help, with, with God's enablement, for me to work deeper in your life. And so I hope that you understand that I'm not saying you have to be sinless or anything like that. Obviously, that's, that's completely unrealistic. But there are things that God is saying that Mitch, you are blocking my flow of the Holy Spirit, and you can't have faith to believe me so that this situation can be resolved. Now here, let's go to chapter uh, 6 in Judges here, where we have the story of Gideon. And I'm going to read the first, uh, let's see, how about the first six verses? Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared letters, shelters rather, And maybe some letters in the shelters, I don't know. But they prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops uh, all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle or donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So you can see that first word of the first verse of that chapter. It's the word again. It's the word again. After jo- Joshua died, the great leader Joshua, taking him into the land of promise, the Israelites returned to the sin that they were uh, involved in uh, before Joshua took leadership. This was severe idolatry and rebellion against the Lord, severe and deep and rebellious sins. And those sins made, it, uh, made them unable to have the faith needed to experience the victories and the resolution that God wanted to give them. And they stayed that way for seven years. You, you just heard and watched as I read that. It's not God's fault that they were living such a, in a, such a, a, a low standard of life. It was their own stubborn attachment to sin. And they learned the hard way that, that uh, sin and faith are incompatible, okay? And I want to I make it clear, I'm not talking about the times that we stumble into sin. We, we stumble into it, okay? And we all do, and we do it every day, whether it's a thought or an attitude or an action or a word, we stumble into sin. But I'm talking about that, that... Um, that area, those areas of purposeful or continual or, or rebellious sin towards God or towards other people that the Holy Spirit's been talking to us about. And that blocks our capacity to trust God. And in order for us to face the overwhelming odds that we struggle with or the difficult odds or the tough circumstances that are in our lives, if we're gonna face those by faith and win, gain that resolution and victory that God wants us to have, we need, with his help, to turn away from anything we're doing or not doing any attitude that we might have that has caused God to stem the flow of faith in our lives or even discipline us. And the Psalms talk about this, and one of the key verses in the Psalms that has spoken to me through the years, and it's a, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's a tough verse, Psalm sixty six eighteen. It says, "If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened." If I had cherished this sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I like the, another version that I memorized many moons ago. It says, "If I had regarded iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not hear me." And it's just saying, if I'm if I'm harboring issues and areas in my life, attitudes or Whatever, you know, I'm letting the Holy Spirit have reign in your life right now and in mine. I'm not about to try to poke you in the eye with a stick, but if, I'm not, if I am not dealing with things that the Holy Spirit is talking to me about, then the Lord's, his ear is not really attentive to my cry for resolution and victory, and I don't have the faith I need to trust him to do what he wants to do. And... Uh, a lot of christians they're in a rut and they're living in defeat and underneath the odds that they're facing because they refuse to surrender their stubborn pride or an area of sin in their lives to god unfortunate and we see what happens to the israelites here they're oppressed by the the, the midianites they're living in horrible conditions The Midianites, these powerful nomadic people are destroying their crops and stealing their crops and herds every year. Can you imagine planting your crops and culling your herds and and every year uh, they come and they take it all and then you do it again and they take it all and you you do it again and then they take it all. How discouraging that would be. And that's what happens when we harbor... uh, unresolved, unrepented for sin and attitudes in our lives that displease God. So if we're going to face overwhelming odds by faith and win, we need to deal with the sins that God is speaking to us about. There's a second uh, thing here in the story of Gideon that teaches us if we're going to face our overwhelming odds by faith and win here. And again, this is a strategy. I'm giving you a strategy, an eight-point strategy to deal with your overwhelming odds, tough circumstances, or difficult odds. And just to say this, we all have them. And Debbie and I were talking about that. Was it, where are you? Oh, you're over there? You're supposed to be sitting over there. You're not supposed to be over there. Um, we, we were talking about, maybe it was this morning, that they never end. It's just, you know, you th- I think permanent peace and tranquility When all the, everything's fitting and everything is copaesthetic, I think that's a fantasy while we're on this side of heaven. Not that we don't have periods of grace and, and experience the Lord in a realer way, but it's just gonna continue. If once one's over, it won't be too long before the next one Uh, crashes into our life. And I'm not trying to be a party pooper here, but it's just the way it is. And so we're giving a strategy here, a strategy for how to deal with these as they come into our lives over and over again. And the first one is just clear the deck with God's help, of what he's speaking to you about now, that attitude, that that, that rebelliousness, that pride, that sin, that sin of omission, where you do something that is not God's will, or the commission, you're not doing what he's, or the other way around, commission where you're doing something that God's telling us not to do, or omission, you have failed to do what God has been telling you to do. And then we go to the second point, the second strategic point here of how to overcome overwhelming odds with faith and win, and that is this. We must realize that prayer clears the way for faith to begin. Prayer clears the way for faith to begin. And you've heard this. I don't know what churches you've gone to in the past. I don't know what pastors you've heard preach through the years, but I can guarantee you if they preach the word of God, they've told you that prayer is important. And if they haven't preached that, then, you know, I'm I just can't imagine them not, if they're Bible-teaching preachers. And that's something that God is telling us today. And I want you to look at verse 6 through 8 here in this sixth chapter. uh, And you're going to see something really, really neat, really cool. Midian, uh, verse 6, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And when the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Now, what happens here is that uh, they are so beat up that they pray. And isn't that sad that sometimes that's the way it has to be? Not, not with everybody. I'm not, I'm not accusing everybody, but a lot of times we don't uh, pray the way God desires us to pray until we're really uh, our back is really up against the wall and their backs were up against the wall. Let's hope that we're not like Israel. But God says, I want you to pray. I want you to pray, and I've brought these circumstances into your life, and you need to pray for me to start working, okay? And if you notice the details of their prayer, they cried out, it was not superficial. It was a heartfelt prayer, and not a hurried prayer, but a heartfelt prayer. And I'm not saying you have to pray for two hours, but I also you know you don't want to do one of those rabbit's foot prayers right where you you, or drive through the the drive-through window prayer or whatever quick prayer you i mean quick prayers happen sometimes but just a, a you know just just a little bit longer and they cried to the lord and they cried for help and they prayed and they prayed okay and if we want fresh anointings of faith and direction, when we're facing tough, difficult, or impossible or overwhelming odds, God calls us to pray. He wants us to pray. Now here's the really cool thing here. Look back into this passage, if you have your Bible or upstairs on the, on the screen. Note what it says. When, verse seven, when the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. And I absolutely love that. When I read that, all kinds of alarms came off in my head. You know, when they did something, something happened. When they prayed, God led. You see, and I love the word when in verse 7. When? When they Cried to the Lord, he sent them a prophet. When they prayed, the wheels, the gears started turning. It was when they prayed that God started doing something. Okay? Time for an amen? I mean, this is so good. And we just forget the connection. And they cried out, and they gave it to him in detail, to the Lord for help, probably more than once, maybe more than a dozen, maybe more than a hundred times. I have no idea. But that's when, the connect, that's when God stepped into action and started the gears turning. And, uh, j- and so here's, I'm gonna say this because I wanna be fair. I wanna be fair. And I'm not, I'm gonna talk to you the way I talk to myself here, or the way I think I sh- I would want a preacher to talk to me, Okay. Give just a little extra time to prayer and watch God start working. Just give a little, more than your daily devotion. That's what I'm saying. In other words, let's just say you have X number of minutes during the day that you give to the Lord in the word and prayer. Give him, during another part of the day, a little extra time, five, 10, or 15 minutes of whatever of prayer concentrating on the areas that are disturbing you. And watch some of the gears start to turn. Okay, let's go to a third one here. Third strategy point here. Discover and and repent of and deal with whatever sin God is speaking to us about. And then pray the way we see here. And then the third thing here is if we're going to overcome uh, our uh, overwhelming odds by faith, face our overwhelming odds by faith and win, we need to remember the many past acts of God's faithfulness. And you've heard me say this before, but it's just one of those things. We have to remember that when stuff happened in the past, God resolved it and He'll do it again. And you know what, everybody? That's one of the things we forget almost immediately. Uh, not me but you guys do okay um again talking with debbie about this the other day and you know when i'm talking about you you gave me an answer to prayer remember that what you showed me right and it was really a very cool answer to prayer it was something that god did and, and it had to happen from god and I go, wow, isn't that cool? And she goes, yeah, that's cool. And I said, you know, that's really cool. And she says, you know, it's really cool, Mitch. And uh, it, it was good. And I it, it just like great. And then something else rolled into my life, probably within hours or no more than a day from that. And I go, how is God going to fix this one? I push the panic button. I'm embarrassed to say, God did something really, really wonderful, and then I got hit with something else. And then I go, what? How is God going to work? We do it. We forget almost immediately all of the times that God's been faithful in the past. And so what does the prophet say here in verses 8 through 10? He says, uh, this is what the Lord of, God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. What did they do? They forgot. They forgot God's past acts of faithfulness. This is the strategy for resolving and, and dealing with overwhelming odds, dealing with sin, praying, and then remembering. Remembering every, or as much as we can, that God has been faithful in the past, and he rebukes them for not remembering that. Okay, it's a loving rebuke but he, re, he rebukes them from forgetting God's past faithfulness. And I'm just saying that's a propensity for, for Christians, okay? Remembering those things. And when we remember them, it just softens the blow of what we're going through now, and it gives us an encouragement that we're not alone and that he will work. But we have to really, really concentrate on his previous acts of faithfulness. I've had people encourage me to journal. Have you ever had, you, you know what journaling is? Does anybody journal here? You do? I don't, I, didn't, well, I, I don't wanna, okay? I really don't wanna put the work into it. But I have a friend who's a pastor and he journals all the time because he says when he journals then he can go back and remember what God has done. And, and, so, and I think it, it, it's probably a good idea, I just don't wanna put the time into it. Because to remember, to remember and not forget those wonderful times when God came through for us. That's part of the strategy of dealing with overwhelming odds and difficult odds and and, 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 and tough circumstances. Well, now let's go to the, the last one here, where we'll probably spend most of our time. And that is um, the fourth thing, fourth of eight. We'll do s- five, six, seven, and eight next week of how to face our overwhelming odds and win by faith, and that is this. If we're going to do that, dealing with our sin and praying, remembering our past, and how God has been faithful to us, and then the fourth one is, we must trust in the presence of a caring and almighty God. We've got to trust in the presence and in the caring nature of an almighty God, and that he's with us all the time. He's with us all the time. Let's say that together. He's with us all the time. All the time. Okay, let's look at these last few verses in uh, chapter 6 that we'll cover today, verse 11 through 24. And the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, or Beezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us when we, they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of, hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord but Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answers, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. And Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went in prepared a young goat and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in the basket and its its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. And the angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. And with the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread, fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. And when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he he exclaimed, ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die And so Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it stands in Oprah of the Abiezrites. Now, our fourth strategic point here is that if we're going to face overwhelming odds and win, we need to understand and trust in the presence of a caring and almighty God god can only work in and for and through a christian who believes and trusts and relies on the presence of a caring and an almighty god in their lives i think the greatest roadblock to experiencing the victories of faith that he wants us to have is our doubt doubts creep in i i i and i'm speaking as an expert in doubting okay i have a phd in doubt okay And doubts creep in, and we doubt God's care or his willingness to resolve our situation or his ability, whatever it is, and that results in a shift. When we start doubting that God cares and that he's right there with us and that he's an almighty God, we shift over to ourselves. We shift over to ourselves, our self-determination, our skills, our talents, our abilities, our personality, whatever it is, we shift over to our self-sufficiency and faith is no place in our life. And we, and we bottom out and we burn out and we flame out, okay? And that's not what God wants us to do. He, does, that, he wants us to, to live at a higher level than that, okay? And that's how you stay in faith's diapers, if you and I want to stay at face diapers, we'll forget, we'll doubt that God is almighty, that he cares, and he's right there with us. Know what it says here about the presence and sufficiency of the Lord with Gideon and how it helps him face these overwhelming odds. In verse 11, it says, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon. Now, most theologians would call that what I have mentioned before in the Old Testament as a Christophany or a pre-incarnated visit from the lord jesus okay this is not some wacko idea but that it was christ and he was the lord and he appears to gideon and what's gideon doing okay he's he's threshing wheat in a wine press you know we've passed by that really quick oh yeah okay he was threshing wheat in a wine press but you know what a wine press was made for wine very good a well, wine press was a, like a, a, a large rock that was hewn out from the ground down, and it had a spigot on it, and you'd crush grapes in the, in the wine press, and it would run out the spigot, and you'd, you'd, you'd make wine. It was not made for threshing wheat. If you wanted to thresh wheat, thresh wheat you'd be on top of the ground on a, in a flat area, and then you'd stomp on the wheat and the straw, and then... You'd throw it up in the air called winnowing and the air would blow the chaff away and what was left was wheat. But Gideon is in a wine press because he is scared spitless. He is scared and fear has overtaken him. He's afraid of having his food stolen. He's afraid of the Midianites coming to kill him. He's afraid of losing everything. And he's just filled with fear, okay? Okay. Are you in a wine press right now? Has fear of some kind kind of overcome you? And you're not, you're not living the way, not only that you want to live, but you've lived in the past. You're living under kind of an pr- oppressiveness of fear. I, I know what that is. And, 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 and you, you think, you know, this is not me. This is not what God intended me to be or live, live like. Okay? You're in a wine press, and you're fearing something. Fear has gotten a... Uh, a, maybe a toehold, maybe a foothold, maybe a stronghold, but it's fear. And the, the odds are against you and, you've, and you, it's caused fear in your life. Okay, but in verse 12, the angel of the Lord, and I believe it's our Lord Jesus, you, you know, whatever, you can believe it's just the angel of the Lord, but that's fine. But it says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And they say God doesn't have a sense of humor, right? What's so mighty about him there? He's, he's down in the pit and he's stretching wheat just to hold on to something to eat because he's fearing the Midianites gonna steal it all away. Now here, this illustrates just a tremendous principle that I wanna share with you right now, and that's this. The tremendous principle about this fourth strategic point about how to deal or deal with our overwhelming odds with faith and win is this. God and us equals a majority. God and us equals equals a majority god in you god in me equals a majority and that's how god sees it that's how the angel of the lord our lord jesus sees it me and jesus equal a majority you and jesus equal a majority it doesn't matter what the issue doesn't matter what the mountain doesn't matter what the the valley doesn't matter what you're facing with you and jesus you you are a majority, okay? You and God equals a majority. God is the all-powerful, caring, loving, infinite God, and with you equals a majority. And our part, and this is the hard part, I'm not gonna lie to you, this is not easy. It sounds really easy, but it's not easy. At least for me, it's not. Our part is to exercise trust and faith that in his time and in his way, he's going to close the deal. He will. He will close the deal. He will resolve. But it's in his time and in his way. And we have to daily, almost sometimes hourly, almost sometimes minute by minute, drive that stake of faith and trust in this almighty God of ours Uh, By faith, by faith, by faith, by trust, by believing him, in spite of our feelings, in spite of our circumstances, in spite of our emotions, we have to exercise faith. And Why? Because he is with us. Look at verse 14. Am I not sending you? He tells Gideon, trust me, trust my presence and power. I'm sending you. Verse 16, I will be with you. And you will strike down the Midianites. All of the Midianites, verse 16 says. And here the truth is shouting out to you and to me this morning, and that's this, that when we're facing difficult or overwhelming odds, we can and must trust in faith that God cares and is with us the same way he was with Gideon and brought him full victory over the Midianites in a very strange and unusual and exciting and unpredictable and off-the-wall way that we'll talk about next week. Why was it important for Gideon and for us to understand that a caring and almighty God is with us when we face overwhelming odds? Because we, everybody, struggle with the same emotions that Gideon struggled with. And there are three. I've got to go quick. I don't want to keep you too long. But he, well, I've already mentioned it. He struggled with fear, so we know that's part of it. And, I, you know, I really fear that, feel that fear is a tool often of the devil, now we can be very fearful all on our own without the devil's help, right? But I think that he just loves to, to dump a can of a 50 gallon drum of fear over us when we face difficult situations and we 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 live or almost we almost take a uh we're enveloped or drowning in fear because of him. And that's that's what Gideon was doing. He was in a pit. A pit of fear. Okay? And I don't know what wine, your wine press of fear is about, but you know as well as I do that that can really take you over. Okay? It might be finances, family matters, concerns about your future. Maybe you're struggling in your faith and you're in a desert time right now and you're afraid you're not going to get back out of it. And then the second emotion that he, he felt was skepticism. Verse 13, listen to this. Verse 13. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders uh, that our fathers told us about when he did? Did not the Lord bring us out of me, way? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> He's skeptical. And that's what circumstances do to us. They raise the, our, the nature of skepticism in us. Why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? I must have been awful bad. And then the third emotion is inadequacy. Inadequacy in verses 14 through 16. The angel of the Lord uh, looks at him and says, Am I not sending you? And he assures Gideon of success, but Gideon still still feels inadequate in his own weakness. Verse 15, but Lord, Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least and the weakest of the weak, weak people. I'm a weakling in a weak clan. That's called inadequacy. But God does something. He reassures that he is with Gideon, okay? And the same is true for us. He's with us he's caring for us he cares and he's with us he's right there with us now i'm going to do something really really fast i told the guys with the that run the verses you get on your horse because i'm going to go fast okay but think of all the people in the bible that god told us to okay here we go on your market set jacob J- genesis 28 15 the lord says i am with you I'm not even going to read all of these uh, verse, all of the verses, but I am with you. I will not leave you. Joseph, 30, Genesis 39:21. The Lord was with him in his prison, whatever our prison is. Moses, Exodus 3 and Deuteronomy 31. And God said, I will be with you. And in verse, or Deuteronomy 31, 6. For the Lord your God is with you. He will never leave you. Or forsake you, Joshua one nine. For the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. Solomon, David said to him when he was facing a huge building project, "For the Lord God, my God is with you." Psalmist forty six one. God is our refuge and is, are, is he keeping up? Oh, way to go! <laughs> Psalm forty six one. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Okay. And if we're not feeling that God is there, that that's, that's He's still there. Almighty, all Creator, infinite, limitless in power and love and caring. He's right there, here now with us, you, in your situation. Uh, where was I? Oh, my favorite, really, of them all. Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, help you, and I uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I did that to show you, I've looked at so many times that I know it by heart. I didn't go, I'm going to do some memory work today. No, I've gone there so many times that. I just love it. Don't fear, I am with you. I am is with us. The disciples, Jesus said, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And through the disciples, right to us. Paul in Acts 18, 9 and 10, Jesus says, for I am with you, verse 10. And then Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, which we'll get to, um, well, whenever we get to Hebrews 13, uh, a couple years. Um, No, um, (laughs) probably a month or two probably a month or two. Uh, Hebrews 13, five and six. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never, never. I'm never gonna leave you. I don't care what your difficult, stressful, tough odds are. God says, I'll never leave you and I'll forsake you. And here's Gideon. You gotta love Gideon. You just have to because then he asks uh, just to be sure that God is with him. If all that's not enough, right? Right? He says, "I want a sign. I need a sign, God." And you know, you know what's fun about this? God doesn't rebuke Him for that. You can ask for signs. We'll talk about the fleece next week, but the reason Jesus really rebuked the, the religious leaders in the New Testament for asking for a sign is that they were just doing that to try to um, confirm a faith that they never intended to have. The difference here is that Gideon asked for a sign because he wanted to believe. And so he asked for a sign and God says, no problem, I'm good at that. That's my interpret that's my uh, translation. And so Gideon lays a sacrifice upon a rock in verse 19 and 20, and the Lord promptly consumes that by fire Now, I want you to notice one thing, and then we'll wrap the whole thing up this morning. And that's this. Did you notice how the fire consumed the sacrifice? Maybe you never noticed this before. It wasn't consuming it with fire on the rock. How did the fire consume the sacrifice? Anybody notice? From the rock. Not on the rock, but from the rock. What did God do? He took an inanimate object and he made fire come out of it and consume the sacrifice. He just didn't like like, here's my my hand's a rock, and you go, Phew. No, he took an inanimate object that fire does not come out of and went. Phew. And you know what that that tells us? It proves God's awesome power to create something out of nothing. Or take, some, take nothing, or. Okay, never mind. Okay, something out of nothing. Or make something nothing. I was trying to say. That's, all right, you get up here and try this, all right? And, and I love that because we need that. We need God to make something out of nothing or to take something and make it nothing when we're faced with difficult odds. And he can do it. He can pull it off. I mean, it's just a little thing, but it's just so big. And Gideon acknowledged, you know, that has to be God because I've never seen a campfire work that way before. Praise the Lord. He can take something and make nothing or take nothing and make something out of your, my situation. Anyway, so... He builds an altar and, it, and it's consumed and he names it the Lord is Peace and God is confirming to him. And I, I, this is just true for us. He, when we trust him in faith and his way and time, he, in his almighty power and wisdom, he brings himself and his caring and, and, li, and, un, and omnipotent nature into our situation and changes it. Amen? I mean, wow, this is really so cool. Okay? The key to beating overwhelming odds in our life with faith and when is to realize that we're not alone, but that God is with us and he cares, and that he, God, and us are a majority in any situation. Okay? Okay? And in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, he says, I'm with you. Don't be discouraged. Don't be depressed. Don't be despondent. Don't be afraid. Don't be filled with worry. It doesn't matter who or what is against you. Trust me in faith. Even if you just got a mustard seed, maybe a half or a quarter of a mustard seed, just trust me. Tell me you trust me, and I will be with you. I will never leave you. I won't let you down, okay? I won't let you down, just keep exercising faith. And somebody said this, when God is with you, the size of the enemy or the challenge or the difficulty is of no great concern. Nothing is impossible to the person who created all things visible and invisible in one thought. He's just waiting for us to trust him in faith to meet our needs. And I want to close with this thought. This thought came to me um as I was preparing this message this week. And I don't know if you noticed or not, but I did, and I want to share it with you, that did you notice how patient God was with Gideon through all of this? Did you notice how God was patient? So patient with Gideon? He didn't scold Gideon for struggling. He didn't... When Gideon asked for a sign, he says, oh, you know, he, he, he didn't scold him for that. And as we discover how to beat overwhelming odds in our life by faith, God is patient with us. He understands how frail we are, how emotional we can get. And he understands that faith isn't easy when circumstances are difficult. And that's why God only requires a mustard seed of faith from us. And maybe you feel like you've, you have small faith tiny faith, maybe no faith at all, but God's patient with you with your lack of faith. It's good news. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. He, he is saying you and I are indistinguishable, in a sense, through our union with Christ. So if it, we, don't, we don't see God blasting Gideon into pieces for his weak faith. We see God patiently working to grow Gideon's faith. And that's what it's all about with us. God is on, a, is on a mission to take our circumstances and cause us to grow in faith. And it's hard, I know it, but that's what he's doing. And he has a purpose for what we're going through. And the worst thing that we can do is separate ourselves from him and go off on our own. The best thing that we can do is to say, I don't like it, I'm struggling, but God, I believe you to deal with and resolve my overwhelming, difficult odds. I believe you by faith and that the wind will come in your time and in your way. And that's what he's doing in our lives. He knew right where Gideon was at, and he knows right where you're at, and, he's, and where I'm at, and he's patiently working to grow our faith. Leonard Ravenhill was a famous Christian writer. He wrote on revival in and, uh, and, 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 and areas like that. And he told a group of tourists who were visiting a very picturesque village Um, uh, he told of a group of tourists who were visiting a picturesque village. And one person turned to an elderly man sitting nearby and asked, were there any great men born in this village? And the old man replied, nope, only babies. (laughs) That's how we started out, isn't it? We started out as babies. We didn't start out great in faith. So God's taking us from baby faith to grown up faith through our circumstances and trials. And how do we get there? What's our strategy? Part one, four steps, four strategies. Deal with the area or attitude of sin that God is talking to you about. Okay. And then take that extra time just to get alone and pray about that specific issue and continue to do that. And then remember God's past act of faithfulness. And then finally, trust in his care and his power and his presence to be with us through this journey of trial. And that will get us towards uh, resolving our overwhelming odds with faith and to the win that God wants us to have. I don't know what difficult odds are, are challenging you right now, but it doesn't matter. They can be on a scale of one to 10. They can be one or they can be 10. But the principle is the same. Next week, we'll go to part two and and take the remaining four of the eight and uh, and close it out. Let's pray together. Father God, we all come in here with odds against us. They can be in such a wide variety that I wouldn't even want to guess what anybody here is going through. It's really not my place. Well, my place, Lord, is to just uh, offer the wonderful, wonderful strategy that you took Gideon through, and we'll see that great victory next week. And uh, it's the same pattern for every one of us. And we don't know the time, and we don't know the way that you're gonna do it, but we know the, how to get there. And so I pray for my, my friend here today who may be a male or a female, a, a younger person or a senior, somewhere in between, and says, you know, Mitch, I'm facing a difficult situation and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling and I, I just need to, uh, to experience God in a realer way. Help them, Lord God, to do that. And uh, in this moment of silence, uh, as they offer that up to you, I just pray that you would come and meet them in a profound way. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a sunny, wonderful day today. Greet someone you don't know before you get out of church today, okay? God bless you as you go.